welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, hello, welcome to episode 442 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb, and my good pal, Sean Orford. How are you, Sean? I'm stunning. Stunning and amazing. How are you? Magnificent, yeah. I'm not too bad. Yeah, we got a bit of fun and games in the family with negative COVID results and one of the but one of my kids is off school today and he's awaiting results himself. So yeah, it's all good fun. So yeah, if you can hear anything in the background, it's uh, it's me. <laughs> I, I didn't realise how many children are off school. It's uh, quite scary, isn't it, really? Well... Yeah, well, scary is not the word because I don't think there, there's not a huge... Um, it's the knock-on effect, isn't it? It's, it's not a huge threat mm. for the kids themselves. themselves. No. It's the knock-on effect of just everyday life being disrupted somewhat and, mm-hmm. uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, there are still quite a lot of people struggling with it, obviously, and there's, you know, I, st- I still see the, the numbers about people that have died in the UK going, kind of being reported like the weather... <laughs> You know, like it's nothing, but it's a lot of people still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but hey-ho, we are where Difficult. we are, hey? Yeah. Um, we're talking today about wealth and happiness and whether you can be rich and happy, whether it's even possible to be mega rich and happy, um, based on a, an article I found. So we'll come on to that in a sec. Uh, Liveinthepresent.co.uk for all the show notes and links, as ever. They're all in there. Sean's written a blog post. Uh, we were due to be speaking with a special guest, Alison Blackler, today. Uh, she's been on the show a couple of times before, but we're going to bump Alison back to next week, hopefully, because, uh, yeah, uh, life got in the way. But um, And we were actually, I was thinking it was we were going to record it in person for the first time. Yeah. How long? I don't know, man. Probably 18 months, something like that. Got to be, yeah. yeah. I'll have, have to trace it back and listen to that last episode that. we recorded face-to-face. <laughs> Maybe next week is the week. It could be. Yeah. yeah, stand by for those COVID test results, flipping neck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, how are you though, Sean, before we get stuck in? You've been, uh, you've yeah. been away, haven't you? Yeah, I've been away to the um, to Norfolk, which is a really lovely place. If anyone listens to this hasn't been, it's worth going to see. And, and the highlight was that there was this beach, miles of beach, with over a thousand seals on it, all pupping. Wow. And and I thought this is a really odd time of year to be having babies because you're going into the winter. But for them, that's kind of normal. So over the next couple of months, they, they will be churning out a lot of babies. You know? Wow. I bet that was yeah. quite a sight. I did see some photos. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Because you've got these enormous, they call them grey seals, but they're more like brownie slug-looking things. they enormous. And out of them pop these little white furry pups. Yeah. Which are like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah, maybe it's quite balmy down here for them, you know, that that far south. I'm not sure how I do yeah. we, when we go to sea houses in Northumberland, the seals off the coast there in the summer. Um so uh, mm. yeah, I don't know how far north they uh mm. they usually go, but yeah. Mm. Amazing yeah. to see, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. It could be quite warm for them down here at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it has been quite mm. mild until recently. Anyway, but anyway, yeah, interesting, man. Cool. Um, let's crack on then, because I saw uh, a blog post this morning posted uh, by Georges Monbiot, the uh, 
environmental writer that I follow on Twitter. Um, and, you know, I follow him for his environmental musings and, and, and mm-hmm. ideas. But so he was kind of saying these people that are, are we talking about the mega rich. So we're talking billionaires rather than just your average standard millionaire. Oh, sorry, old millionaires. <laughs> That, that tend to have a, a larger carbon footprint than the rest of us, probably by a, by a factor of about a thousand. Uh, and despite that, they're still miserable, <laughs> which is a bit of a, a sweeping statement. I'll, put, I'll I'll link to the article in the show notes. Um, but it got me thinking, and we have done articles in the past about rich and unhappy and all that. But uh, yeah, what's your initial take, Sean? On kind because of, you must deal with well people from all all backgrounds and uh, but you must have the old person that shows up in a flash car that has got issues themselves going on yeah I've, I've worked with loads and loads of people who have been very very wealthy um and the thing that you, you start to realize is that money really doesn't make you happy at all it, it, to me it's like money is like a magnifying glass it allows you to be what you are more so if you're basically a miserable kind of person, you become a bigger miserable person. And if you're a happy person, you can become a bigger happy person. But because the majority of the population, I'm sad to say, have negative self-imagery, that very often the money becomes a problem. Um, and you, you see it with people that, w- that win the lotto uh, and they win millions of pounds and they just blow it all because they can't cope with it. And they'll get it down to a level that they feel comfortable with which mm. might be a 10 or 20 quid or, you know, if they're comfortable with, you know, 5 million. It depends. It's like, what's a lot of money? There's a million a lot of money. There's 10 million a lot of money. There's 100 million a lot of money. Because um, mm. richness is a relative statement, isn't it? Isn't it? it is, yeah. We'll, we'll come on to that as hopefully as we, if I remember to, as we kind of go through this episode, because the, the whole idea of wealth and being rich has been hijacked a bit by the financial side because you can be a wealthy person, and you can have absolutely nothing in your bank account at all. In fact, I, that's what I try and aspire to. I, I've got a little bit more than zero in my bank, but not much. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that I'm a relatively cheery, happy. And in fact, my I think my Instagram profile says I'm the richest man in the world. And I, I, I put that there to kind of remind myself um, that I am, you know, because if you look at the photos on my feed, it's a private feed actually, but uh, it's all, you know, family and days out and all that kind of stuff that will have cost occasionally, you know, a little bit of money to kind of get places or to go into Legoland or whatever we've done recently. Um, but the, the the actual wealth that I have is is within like the relationships that I've uh, mm. cultivated over the years and the children that mm. I'm, I'm, I'm raising and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, what you're describing is you could be financially rich but emotionally poor. Mm. But you could be emotionally very rich and financially poor. Um, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, so I, I can remember working with a guy many, many, many years ago, and he, he had six houses, and he just sold one house for something like twenty-five million, or something, like something crazy like that. Um, and uh, he was one of the most miserable people I've ever met. And I can remember, you know, working with him and thinking that this is crazy because. If you say to people, what do you really, really want? Lots of people say, you know, I'd, I'd like to win the lotto. And people always come up with the magic, a million. If I had a million, I'd be all right. But actually, would a million make you any different? I mean, you and I are sat here talking to each other. If you and I were billionaires or paupers, you know, we're still just sat here talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's where, where's our heads and our hearts? That's, that's the bit that's important. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, um, the top of the article that I linked to, it's got uh, many billionaires I work with have trust issues, lack of sense of purpose and struggle with shame, guilt and fear. So I think it's worth mentioning that just because you you might, if there's any billionaires listening to this show, like, first of all, you know. Well, I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> Drop us a few quid, eh? <laughs> Would you? <laughs> but also, like, first world problems, as they like to be called, they, they can't. They are real problems, aren't they? And if you could be a billionaire and struggling big time, so it doesn't doesn't mean that you're not deserving of help, is it? Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. And, but I, I think that the, again, it's, it's the relativity, isn't it? It's that if we're in a position where um, somebody has um, has given us a vast amount of money. Now, is that something that we rejoice in? Is it something that we worry about to become a problem? Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, maybe we'll bring it down a level from the billionaire issues because I can't really relate to that. There must be all sorts that come along with that amount of wealth, of of hassle. I mean, if you're a billionaire, you've probably got multiple homes that need kind of security. They need staffing to some level. You might have some kind of vessel, a boat or a yacht that needs... It's got a crew of people that need, you know, feeding and paying and all that kind of stuff. So there must be, mm-hmm. and then you'll have to employ people to employ people to kind of, mm-hmm. there must be so much hassle, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even imagine it. But, but the amount, it's like you're talking about trust issues. The amount of people I know that are well off that have problems with friendship, because why is someone being my friend? Are they being my friend because they want to be my friend or because I've got money? And then you end up with what they call the 1% group, where um, people end up only mixing with people that are rich because those people aren't going to be uh, looking at them from the point of view of jealousy and envy and and all that kind of stuff, and they don't have to feel the shame and the guilt and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, there's a a YouTube channel I follow um, called, well, it's a chap, he's like a real estate guy in America called NS... Yil Maza, and he, he does tours of impressive looking houses in usually in America, but he's been doing a few overseas recently. So, like brand new, uh, massive mansions basically that have been built by you know star architects. They've got five, six bedrooms, pools, cinema rooms, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I kind of watch it because I'm interested in architecture for a start, um, and the design, but I, I do also look at it through the lens of what it's like to live, you know. A life of, of luxury and that kind of thing and um, but, but when you say a life of luxury how do you define that that well, idea the concept what is well, luxury i'm talking about luxury in the sense of um just like an amazing home with all the fit, fixtures and fittings but i actually i've started think looking at the the homes now from a sense that they're actually in some ways like spiritually devoid of any meaning because um, they're quite they're, they're really flash houses you know with glass all around them and all that usual stuff and te- massive tellies in every room but they're they're kind of fortified they're, they're obviously security everywhere to get into them it's got a huge electronic gate with a they've got driveways to park like 15 cars on but they're always empty <laughs> so is, is the issue between being a house or a home you know mm. it's, it's like when you go into these places and they're devoid of feeling and emotion yeah. Because no one actually lives there, really. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously just been finished, all of these houses, so they are empty in the sense that no one has lived in them yet, generally. Um, but they don't look like they could ever have someone living in them comfortably. 
you know, in a cozy, yeah. in a cozy space where you'd you'd feel at home. Um, and a lot of homes in in LA, I think they tend they tend to get demolished and started again. So when you buy a plot of land or a house, if you've got that much money, then you probably just knock it down and start again, and then that process repeats. And that kind of says to me that the homes that are being built in places like that, in the super wealthy gated communities, yeah, they're not homes, they're houses. And they're just kind of, they're sending a message to the world about your wealth rather than status, rather than actually being a place that you want to spend time and raise a family and have friends around to. Apart from this, and also there's the fact that you're not connected to your community at all because you've got massive fences with security wire and cameras everywhere. Um, You know, you're not going to go knock for your neighbor for a cup of sugar or anything like that or you know, if something's gone wrong, you're not going to get to know your neighbours at all. And you're certainly not going to have a little shop that you're going to go and go to to buy yeah. a pint of milk and have a chance encounter with, you know, the person behind the desk because you've built that out of your life. And those are the things that increasingly I see as important in a, in a, a happy life. But, but what you're describing there to me is a level of poverty. It's a level of, of emotional, social poverty. Mm. Yeah. There's no fun in that. Um yeah. Yeah. And if you're paranoid about because you're you're wealthy and you're paranoid about other people, you know, wanting your money, wanting to steal your money and all that kind of stuff, it's really hard to have relationships. You know, how do you marry somebody without knowing that they're not a gold digger, you know, male or female? You know, are they marrying you because of your status or your money, your position, or because of you? Yeah, that's where the trust issues start to come in and uh mm. things, things can get a bit messy, can't they? Yeah. And and the other thing that's interesting, and I mean, you, you're talking about if you keep your bank balance so you've got a bit more than you need. That's actually the definition of richness, isn't it? If you need a pound a week and you've got two pounds and you're a rich person. And if you need a pound a week and you've got 50 pounds, you're a poor person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but um, if you need a pound a week and you've got a million pounds a week, you know, you've got vastly more than you need. Um. And maybe that's the point where you start to give things to other people, maybe. Mm. Should you? You know? I mean, all, all the biblical models mm. were that you would always give 10% of your net income away to the poor. Yeah. That was always the standard model, you know, and as which is still enacted in a lot of religious sects across the world now. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, that you would look after other people as well. Um but how, I mean, we live in a world where we live in like a relatively, relative poverty, I suppose would be the phrase. Um, the, in, in our country, people that are on benefits are still in the 10% richest people on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, compared to so many places like Africa and Asia and just the Middle East and stuff like that, where people have nothing effectively. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But to have a house and to be warm and to have a full belly is richness for so many people, you know? Mm. Mm. I know, and I mean, I'm sure um, even in where we are in the world, there's, there's a real divide in terms of the, the haves and the haves-nots. You know, you and I are probably higher up the scale um, or quite high up the scale in terms of, um, like, economic wealth. Because um, um, there are some parts of the world, you know, in Birkenhead, and probably even near to you, actually down the road in Morton, that kind of way, that are mm-hmm. like seriously deprived, and probably in the lower end of European levels of like deprivation. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of conscious that I don't want to kind of be appearing to like 
say that the, those folks that are really struggling are, <laughs> should be a bit more grateful or something like that, you know? I think that um, we all need to look after each other. It's my catchphrase, isn't it? If you look after each other, we're all going to be okay. Um, but that means that everybody needs to be looking after each other. You know, I mean, if you are on benefits, which is fine, there are other ways that you can contribute to the society around you, you know, by helping other people, looking after things, you know. Um, and there, there's a whole gang of people around here who do the um, the Morton and Bloom. Do you have that in your area? There, there are groups of people that go out and they're planting little flowers and, yeah. and stuff all around the community, and it, it looks amazing. You know, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love to see stuff like that, man. Yeah, we do. We have... Mm. Brighton Bebbington is a little organization yeah. in, in here that they do all the yeah just put the Christmas lights up I think in advance of uh of Crimble yeah yeah that, so yeah we had we had the switch on at the weekend which um you know lots of uh good stuff around the Morton Cross the middle of Morton you know. mm. um, yeah I wonder what so it's like I wonder what the sweet spot for kind of economic wealth is then in terms of how much how do people go about starting to find a plan to get to the point where they have enough to live a comfortable, happy life, but not not too little, so they're struggling and stressed. Because, like, financial stress is, is serious, like, because I've, uh, I've experienced that a little bit over the years. But then we don't, on the other scale, end of the scale, how do we get to the point where we're not drowning in stuff so much that we, we kind of, it's weighing us down? I don't know. We're, we're at that point in the year, aren't we, where we're coming up to Christmas or stuffness, where people are going to buy us lots of stuff. Now, how much of that stuff do we need? And some people will go into debt to buy people stuff that they don't need or maybe they want um, so that we can all be giving to people. But maybe the thing that we need to be giving is kind of love and food and stuff like that. You know? yeah. um, the idea about... Um, there's there's a program on the TV at the moment. Who's that? It's Tracy Solomon, where they go in and they sort out people's houses. Oh and yeah. They empty the whole contents of the house into a warehouse, and then they make you go through. What do you actually use out of all this stuff? What do you want? And most people, at least fifty percent of it, either goes down the bin, goes to recycling, uh, or is sold. You know, because they actually don't need it. Yeah. But we, we've all got so much stuff. Mm. You know? Uh, oh man, it's crazy. We had a clear out of our shed um, late in the summer, which is always like an annual thing, and uh, it's almost empty now. <laughs> like mm. the amount of stuff we've accumulated over time, um, you know, old paint pots and all that kind of stuff, and yeah, yeah, toys and all yeah. that stuff. So. Well, we've got an attic, the ease of the attic that need to be sorted, and I've actually got notes from courses that I did in the 1970s. <laughs> Up there, which they might need reviewing before I turn them into firelighters or something. But it's like, you know, do I actually need any of this stuff? Yeah. No. So I guess it's time. Yeah, just have a good clear out in it. And we, as part of the Live in the Present course, I remember back in the day, it was, we, and it's in, in the book, isn't it? Kind of planning for your future is, is, is in that plan, like in terms of not just picking a random number out of the air. How much? How much money do you need? A million pounds. Like actually work it out because it might turn out to be a lot less than that, and it might even be something that's like really, really, really achievable. Even by just cutting down on expenses that you've got coming out of your bank anyway, or kind of maybe downgrading your house so that you've got a smaller 
much smaller mortgage payment, that kind of thing. Uh, that's something mm. that per- personally I've found quite helpful because we're, mm. we're, we're, we were at that stage a year or two ago when we should, like by definition of, of success, we should get a bigger house because we've got two kids and we should get the bigger car with a bigger house with a driveway. Uh, and I kind of said, no, I'm good. let's just not. We're happy where we are. We've got, a, you know, a, a good little uh, small setup. It's the right size for us. Okay, you know, if we have like 50 people around for a party once a year, we might struggle, but, you know, we'll get by <laughs> for the rest of the time. It's fine, you know, it's just to keep your expenses low. So and mm. that, that's a way of of like us allowing to live a, a richer life uh, in, in other ways, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. And it, But it's so easy to get bogged down in the, you know, it's like the whole kind of designer thing, and, uh, you know, and the bags and the perfumes and, you know, the shoes and everything else. Um one of the things I like about Kate, of Kate and, and Wills um, in the Royals, is that she will wear a dress from Zara um, and she'll wear it twice. You know, whereas, you know, oh my God, that's great, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and people say, but she wore that dress to so and so. And it's like, yes, and she looks fine in it. What's the problem? Yeah, as opposed to it has to be a designer dress by a particular designer and you can only wear it once. And then where does it go after that? Mm-hmm. I guess yeah, it's crazy. That that I mean that whole and it's social pressure, isn't it? So you, in some ways you can understand why. Because we went to a charity ball recently, and uh, I wore the same tuxedo that I've worn, I've worn to the last four or five balls that will hopefully I'll be able to fit into for the rest of my life, or at least twenty years, 20, ten or twenty years. But but, did, any, did anybody say, "Oh, for God's sake, Ed, you're wearing the same tuxedo"? Well, no, because there's, there's no pressure on on fellas is there, to to do that. But whereas my wife, she got a new outfit because the pressure. I think it was slightly in her head, maybe, but the pressure on on women is different to kind of have mm-hmm. a new outfit for the next for each year. It's weird how yeah. we put these different pressures on well, different kind of groups of people as well, isn't it? Strange. Yeah, I, I worked for a company once. Uh, it was a um, a publishing um, place. They did a lot of publishing advertising, and they you were expected to have five suits. Um, so you'd wear a different suit every day, but you had to put it in your diary. So you'd never go to the same client wearing the same suit unless it was the fifth time round or sixth time round. Wow! Um, so that you always look fresh and different and new. Yeah. And that was that was one of the kind of the 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 rules of the game. Flip their neck. Yeah. <laughs> it's crackers, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. We'll 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 wrap it up there. I'm going to talk about my resource first because I've just had it delivered. Yeah. So I've just started on it. It's probably back to front now. If you're watching on YouTube, it's a book <laughs> book by Lloyd Alter, and it's called Living the One and a Half Degree Lifestyle. So it's a book aimed at kind of practically teaching us how to live a good life within the realms of what's like possible within the climate change stuff that's going on so yeah how do we live rich abundant lives while also keeping global heating below one and a half degrees so um and and does it look feasible it does it looks more than feasible and that's the weird stuff about this climate stuff the the things that we need to do will actually enhance our lives and make us it would like it will simplify our lives and it will make us happier and healthier um but they're, they're all kind of mental changes in terms of, yeah, like even daring to go car free or down to one car or a smaller house, mm. that kind of thing, or not not buying like new clothes every month, that kind of thing. It's stuff mm. that we know we should be doing, 
and it'll make us richer and, and happier but it's just that social pressure that is the tricky part of of changing isn't it mm. yeah weird but yeah good book i'll link to it in the show notes yeah my my resource is the um it's the art of getting rich is that you know um the science of getting rich um which it is a book that we've used on the course and stuff like that, but it's a good way of training your mind to think in certain ways. And the thing that it teaches you is not to think about poverty, but to think about richness. And richness is an attitude of mind. If you go out and think, oh, no, God, oh, no, no, then that's what your thoughts become things think. Um, and if richness is, is a state of mind, richness is an emotional feeling and the money is secondary to that feeling cool. yeah and, and it is a case isn't it? of if today i need five pounds and i've got seven pounds i'm ahead of the game aren't i mm-hmm. yeah but if i'm thinking oh my god i've only got seven pounds you know then i can have a really miserable time mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 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 fascinating i mean uh yeah, and again, any billionaires out there listening to the show, give us a shout and we'll, uh, yeah. Cause, I mean, yeah, they are real issues that those those guys and girls are going through, but yeah, when yeah, yeah, give us a shout. It's, it's, it's a relative, you know, it, it, it's a bit like um, I've worked with people that have had loads of problems in all different areas of their lives, and suddenly they've got the diagnosis of cancer, Yeah, you know, and all of those problems disappeared, they've gone. The problems are meaningless compared to this new thing. Compared to that one thing, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I, I think it can be like that with with the whole kind of money thing. You know, we can be going through, am I rich, am I poor, and all that kind of stuff. And suddenly we get a, a, something that makes us check where we're up to. Yeah. And that makes the difference. Yeah, yeah fascinating. Yeah. All right. Um, you happy, Sean? Yeah, I'm always happy. Because cool. right. I, I live a world of happy richness. So do I, likewise. Well, hopefully I'll see you next week with Alison, all being well. And, uh, yeah, yeah, the, we'll do that. The test yeah. results come back negative, but I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah let me know. Yeah. <laughs> all right, see you. Take care, everyone. Okay, you take care. See you. Bye. See you next time. Bye.